Hello world and welcome to Her Royal Science. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Today I will be chatting with Dr. Joël Babdor, a postdoctoral researcher studying the interactions between the human immune system and the microbiome at the system's level at the University of California, San Francisco. He previously completed his bachelor's in molecular and cellular biology at Paris-Est-Crete University, his master's in immunology at Pierre and Marie Curie University, and his PhD in immunology at Paris University. I'm very excited to chat with Dr. Babdor today about his work and one of the initiatives that he's co-founded, Black in Immuno, which is due to have their second annual week-long celebration of Black immunologists from November 14th to the 20th. And be sure to read his latest publication in Nature Reviews Immunology, titled Black in Immuno, Harnessing Social Media and Digital Platforms to Connect the Dots. But let's start from the very beginning. Dr. Babdor, what's your story? We can start by saying that I'm a black man mm -hmm. uh, living in the U.S., currently in California, and I work as a researcher at UCSF in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I'm a Caribbean. My parents were born in Martinique, a small French Caribbean island, but I was born in Paris and in Paris area, mm -hmm. and I grew up around Paris, went through the school system there, and... Uh, at some point, started to be in love with science. Yeah, we can talk about that more in particular. Well, yeah, let's definitely talk about that. Do you remember a class or a teacher in particular that opened your eyes to the world of being a scientist? I think my biology teachers were always uh, interesting or Maybe I was always interested in what they were <laughs> to share. I don't know, but I was uh, always a little bit, yeah, excited about going in biology classes. Actually, if I'm being totally honest, I think I, we can track back where my first excitement for science started. I think it comes from a cartoon that was playing on TV. Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> And I don't know if people know that cartoon. It's called Il était une fois la vie. And so I'm guessing the translation is like Once Upon a Time Life in English. The show walks you through the human body. Mm -hmm. So you, you follow these small characters that are um, in the human body. And they're part of the human body. Mm -hmm. So, you, so you, you can see those immune cells that are walking through the vessels and they're encountering some dangers uh, or you know bad guys or the bacteria right or the viruses and they fight them and they get it get them out right mm -hmm. and <laughs> they protect the body and it was interesting because you were zooming in the body and you were seeing all these small characters but you were also zooming out mm -hmm. and you would see what gets you to you know get infected for example so you would have a kid uh, playing around um you know and and you know, getting injured or, you know, wounded. And then you would, you know, zoom into the skin and see what's going on, right? The infection starting. I think it was the first time that I could really understand what what's going on at the microscopic level within the body. That speaks to the work that you do now quite perfectly because you described, you know, fighting against the invaders in the form of the immune system and you studied the immune system and you also studied the microbiome at the systems level. Can we talk a little bit about the research that you're doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. All right. Tell me about it. What What is it that you actually study? I used all these really broad terms, but if you could kind of dive us in a little bit more, what is your research project or your research projects working on? So I would say that my research interest is to basically understand better how the immune system works. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's, that's probably the goal of all immunologists, right? So the way that I approach it is that there are a lot of situations where the immune system works well, and that's fantastic, and we're, we're happy about it. There are other situations where the immune system does not work as well. And in those cases, uh, we came with, you know, uh, a set of therapeutic strategies that try to modulate the immune system. Mm. Those strategies, some of them work, and some of them work for some people, but it's often a minority of people that benefit from, you know, real uh, clinical, positive clinical outcome with these strategies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, across the board, you have strategies where you activate the immune system, um, so vaccines are one of them, mm-hmm. right? And they're pretty robust. Those ones are the most robust that we have. Um, but you also have cancer immunotherapy where we try to activate the immune system to fight cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are working, but in a minority of people. And so we're trying to expand that. And we're, we need to understand why it's not working in some people and why it's working in other people mm-hmm. um, so we can improve those treatments. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, you have autoimmune diseases where we use immunosuppressants. Mm-hmm. And we also have organ transplantation where we also use immunosuppressants because in those two different clinical contexts, we need to reduce the activity of the immune system to protect the organism. The way that I'm trying to um, you know, approach understanding better the immune system is, is uh, really thinking of all these different contexts where we try to modulate the immune system and, and learn from it. I have set up a research program where I basically have clinical um, samples mm. from these different you know, cases that, that I mentioned where we try to modulate the immune system. Mm-hmm. And we try to look at the immune system of these patients and, um, and try to understand how they respond to these treatments. And so to make sense of, or to you know, characterize the immune system, we, we use methods that you know can look at cells one by one those are single cell phenotyping methods and single cell uh, rna sequencing and um and another one is um, mass cytometry uh, which is basically the next generation or the new generation of uh, flow cytometry where it's like looking at the protein on the surface of the cells to uh, characterize uh, what they are mm-hmm. and so basically with these methods We can look at millions of cells and we can look at them with multiple angles, let's say. Um, And those angles help us to understand what the cells are. And we can try to understand what's the global configuration of the immune system of an individual, right? At a given time point. I don't know if it's... It's it's a lot of information. Or it's, no, it's... it makes a lot, a lot of sense. I'm going to say a little bit of it back to you just to make sure I really understand it, to kind of like sum it up into one sentence. Mm-hmm. So essentially what you're doing is you're characterizing these immune profiles of individuals who have been either undergoing a treatment or have a stochastically different immune system configuration. And because we don't have a lot of data 
of what happens to the body, what happens to these immune profiles of patients, because it's wonderful that you're working with clinical samples. This is really cool. I thought maybe you did a little bit of uh, preclinical work with mouse models and things of that nature, but you actually have such forward-facing work because you're working on samples of patients who have already got, undergone some kind of treatment. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. I, wow. It's a great summary. And, <laughs> uh, and yes, the aspect of really working directly at looking at the immune system of patients is, is for me, a super important part of why I do uh, research. Mm-hmm. I really want to be investigating in a context where uh, we can really find out what what's not working or what's working because we you know I think it's it's much easier to translate what we're seeing directly in humans. Mm-hmm. I would say that having both background is is very useful mm-hmm. because there is a lot of questions that you can't really answer but by looking at the, the clinical samples mm-hmm. and so in that case, making observations in the in the clinical settings mm-hmm. on clinical samples. Mm-hmm. And then investigating deeper using preclinical models, mm-hmm. I think, is, is a model that really works for me. And, and, and I think, you know, it, it can really help to accelerate discovery um, and, and help us to improve treatments for patients. Absolutely. Are you planning on staying in academia? Are you, do you want to start your own research group or are you thinking of switching gears and doing something else? Yes, I am absolutely planning to continue to do research in academia. And as of very recently, I am on the job market. The Babdos Lab is looking for a home. I'm not sure if you want to go into this at all, but I'll pose the question and then we can switch gears afterwards if necessary. I'm curious about your experience moving from France to the States. Because I, I imagine there's some not only cultural differences in, in the grand scale, but just academic differences. Did you notice any of those differences in the culture, the work-life balance in the the labs that you were a part of when you were still in France versus the lab that you're a part of now at UCSF? Yeah, there are absolutely differences. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to upset anyone, so I'll. I'll <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, research in France has advantages and inconvenience, and, and same here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say one thing that I really like in the U.S. is that people are definitely supporting projects that sometimes could feel a little bit ambitious, mm. and I think that that is a very important component for pushing research toward discovery and and progress in medicine. I think, you know, a little bit of risk uh, in what is being funded and what are the projects that are supported, I think, is is super important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, in the U.S. we we do find a lot of sources to um, fund projects that are high risk, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, And... but also high rewards. So I think that that is a very important component of, you know, things that I've I've seen here in the U.S. and that I like a lot. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you miss about France? I mean, you were there for so many years, and I know your parents are based in, are they based in the Caribbean or are they just from the Caribbean? Yeah, my parents are from the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. They moved to France um, when they were young and they had me and my brothers in France. So we were born there. 
but now that we we're all grown ups, yeah. they went back and oh. they're, they're now living back in in the Caribbean. My parents had this interesting, you know, moving to a place and and then moving back, which questions me a lot in my home trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was born in France yeah. and I moved to the U.S. and I can I can understand where they came from to feel like I want to go to a different place and see and see what's there and you know build a family over there and um, have a professional life and a career develop a career over there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Definitely, I feel like this experience of moving to a place and you know trying to find a place where you're welcome yeah. and where you're um, considered um, part of the group or part of the nation i think is is definitely something that is a dominant factor in, in you know having people try to move from one place to another yeah and i imagine it's also the basis for something like black enemy you know because it kind of hits off all the things wanting to feel like you're part of a community and part of a home can we talk a little bit about that too cuz i know your your week long celebration is coming up and i i'd love to hear about that origin story i imagine i know a little bit of it just from living on social media from time to time but i'd love to hear the story in your own words what brought about black and neuro black and amino sorry i'm so used to saying black and neuro (laughs) yeah i'm not offended because black and neuro is so cool that you know (laughs) i feel like being compared to black and neuro is is awesome Um, so (laughs) yeah it started back in, in 2020 when, when things got rough, you know, um, in terms of racism. And we've seen a lot of things going on in the media. We've seen a lot of police brutality that has been very triggering. Interestingly, I think it has been triggering for much more people than it used to. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that has been part of the factors that, you know, have shown that, well, Maybe this is time, right? I mean, mm. it felt to me at least, and, and, you know, I don't know for other members of Black and Mino, but mm. it felt like the reaction um, to what was going on was appropriate and yeah. was showing that people were ready to, you know, move a little bit further and take a little bit more action. Um, mm. Very happy to see, I mean, happy, comforted, I, I, I think I would say, um, mm to see that people were marching all over the country, yeah. that people were in the streets and, you know, reclaiming the streets and saying that Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has been one of the factors that you know, drove us to create Black in Imino. And I don't know if you remember, but there was shutdown STEM movement to say that our experiences in academia and STEM matter and that um, there is systemic racism in academia and in STEM that has a tremendous impact, negative impact on research and researchers and individuals, and we should do something about it. Um, I remember Black in the Ivory was at the same at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. If you remember the hashtag, right? Black in the Ivory was such a um, cathartic experience. Yeah. Because, you know, every time someone would share about their experience, right, encountering um, someone that would, you know, consider them in a certain way or being you know, treated in a certain way because of the 
color of their skin mm. in the academic system. I feel like every experiences that I've, I've re- read uh, in this thread mm. was resonating with me. Wow. And, you know, resonating across countries, right? Because I, I had most of my research experience in France, right? Mm. So, you know, I've had you know many years there. And things that people were experiencing in the ivory tower in the U.S., mm. other black people like me in France were also experiencing the same exact treatments, yeah. um, which... I, I feel like is is really interesting and says a lot a lot about our you know society in general and the way that modern societies are not very dissimilar. One thing that has been a long quest for me has been to try to connect with more black researchers, mm-hmm. and um, I actually started social media kind of seriously in 2020 and. One of my goal was to, you know, see other black scientists, you know, doing interesting and cool research and connect with them. At that time, I actually started a Twitter list and I just called it Black Immunologists. And so I was basically adding to this list the different black immunologists that I was, you know, coming across on Twitter. Yeah. And, um, I think I added some of the folks that, you know, then became members of Black Inimino because they got excited by this list. They were like, oh, this is really cool. And, you know, like, we need that list and we need to know each other and we need to be able to connect. And so this Black Immunologist list, um, you know, started to actually, I think, create some excitement uh, with other folks. And... At that time, um, the the whole you know black in STEM started, right? The black in STEM movement started. So mm-hmm. started with Black Birders Week, and mm-hmm. um, and then you know black in cardio, black in neuro, black in robotics, and mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly which one was the first. And but but we've seen many black in STEM weeks started and uh, starting. And so the people that I added on the list were like, we were messaging each other on Twitter and, and sometimes not only DMs, we were actually pushing ourselves, you know, like through timelines, right? Like being like, we need to do Black in a week and yeah, let's, let's do it. It's like, it's time and um, let's connect and, you know, um, really everyone getting excited. Uh, and so I opened the Slack and I added a bunch of, the folks that were, you know, the most excited about that and, <laughs> and were sending those messages. Yeah, we just met on a Saturday and we never stopped. To now, I mean, we're still meeting every Saturday. And I mean, I haven't missed one Saturday and we, we're still connecting with this group of fascinating and amazing organizers. And Yeah, it, it is a family, it is church. It is, mm. it is everything um, for me at that point. It's amazing. And look at you guys now. You're now a group of thousands of followers. I think it, last time I checked, it was over 4,500 followers. So the community that started with your list is now like a small town, basically, of people who can come together and rely on each other and support each other. And now I'm thinking, what's next? What do the co-founders see for the future of Black and Amino? So I think we want to continue to have Black in Immuno Week being one of our central events and one of our central, um, I would say, activity. Mm-hmm. 
and it, it is also a place where we question the current environment and what makes a better research environment, what makes a more welcoming place for scientists. And um, so really this mix of um, science talks and panel discussions is really wholesome and is a place for discussion, for amplification. And so this is something that we want to continue as long as we can. Mm-hmm. Another aspect that we're working on and something that is uh, equally important for us than Black Immuno Week is what we call Black Immuno Hub, um, which is a platform that we want to um, make a central place for the community, the whole scientific community interested in immunology, mm-hmm. to be able to access yeah. um, and giving some resources for. Uh, students that are interested in getting into the field. We want this hub to be a place where we can have a job announcement board Mm. and people can come here for, um, you know, these opportunities of doing research. Uh, We want to highlight fellowships and um, these different opportunities for people to get funded. And so we want also to have a database uh, of black immunologists that can be accessible to connect mm-hmm. and for people to yeah to know each other and to know about the science that black immunologists are doing. So really having Black Immunoha being a central location of one is it one stop shop for <laughs> yes. everything black in immuno and you know really connecting the whole scientific ecosystem and, mm-hmm. and really allowing the connection between black immunologists amongst ourselves, but also connecting black immunologists to other immunologists in the field that are mm-hmm. interested in their research, that want to, you know, hear their stories and hear the research that they do and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, creating this space. That's definitely one of the aspects that I think is so valuable with the hub that you're describing. It's not just about community, it's also about career opportunities. Mm-hmm. for everybody who's a part of the hub. And I think that's so, so special. I do want to wrap up and I'd love to end off with, I always love asking for advice because you know, when I speak to individuals, they have a breadth of experiences that they've been through. And it sounds like you've had quite a few yourself. If you could talk to your younger self and say, Joel, don't do this, or make sure you do this. What would you tell him? What would you say to, to little you? <laughs> That's an easy one because there has been there has been some recent um, things that I could have avoided. I would say my younger self, um, back up your data. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh, <laughs> yes. <goodness me. laughs> yeah, I did a I did a recent um, let's say uh, bad experience with um, some data loss, but I'm working through it and. It will be fine in the end. Um, but yes, I think having a good, you know, backup system is yes. super important. It is not only having the system is like actually doing the backups. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is so true. Because yeah, you can plan yeah. to have the Google Drive and the physical hard drive and the backup to that one. But if you're not doing it on a weekly basis, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That's a really sweet advice. And with that, I will end with a thank you. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Babdor. And I wish you all the best in all of your future endeavors. 
thank you so much for having me and really happy to be here and, and happy to have um, share my experience. Happy to have you.